0: Welcome to PowerPoint Tuesday, your weekly deep dive into the Word of God. I'm your host, Pastor Jeremiah, here to guide you through the sacred scriptures with clarity and insight. Get ready for an enlightening journey of faith brought to you through the power of PowerPoint. Let's journey together into the heart of the Bible right here on PowerPoint Tuesday. Uh, Our scripture for... Uh, tonight will hinge on Ephesians 5.18, Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk with wine because it will ruin your life, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians five says, don't be drunk with wine because it will ruin your life, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit, so let's get started as we dig into uh, Ephesians chapter 5, Paul in the prison epistles. So, as you recall, uh, in our previous lesson, we kind of closed it out with the understanding that. Uh, the contrast between light and darkness, and we understood that uh, God is calling us out of darkness into the light of Christ. And uh, the best way to expose darkness is just to let God's light shine through us, so we do not have to uh, concentrate our time pointing out all the darkness. The light of the the light of Christ that. Uh, shines through us is enough to expose the darkness. So those who are living in darkness will be able to see our light and see the contrast in that. Now, sometimes there is a necessity to specific to specifically identify uh, acts and actions of darkness. however uh, even uh, Paul says that it is shameful to speak of what the wicked do in secret so we don't have to always go out of our way to point out the darkness let's just live the light and that will expose the darkness and people will be able to see the contrast of our light versus darkness and and hopefully our light will be a testimony to those who see us. And so then that brings us uh, to the B clause of Ephesians chapter 14. Ephesians chapter 14 starts out saying, for the light makes everything visible. And then the B clause says, that's why it is said, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So Paul essentially saying here, wake up, wake up. The Greek word uh, uh, for wake up means uh, to come out of your spiritual sleep, to come out of or or to uh, rise from spiritual death. Uh, the, the rising from your sleep could mean uh, to be a spiritually indolent or just secure and comfortable and unconcerned about sin. And, and when you think about it, uh, Paul is really speaking to, again, an audience who have become so comfortable in the culture of their sin. And what he's saying is the light of Christ should uh, consistently shine so brightly that it eventually wakes you and rouses you out of your sleep. Um, Have you ever been uh, sleeping in your bed comfortably, and even though your alarm goes off, you hit the snooze button because you're just so comfortable and the alarm goes off again and you hit that snooze button. Nine minutes later, the alarm goes off again and you hit that snooze button because you're so comfortable. And 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 that's how sometimes we become with sin. We justify it enough to where we're comfortable with it. We downplay it enough to where we're comfortable with it. We we, we, we uh, soften it enough to where it's not as big as other sins so that we're comfortable with it. But then have you ever been l- woken up late where you've overslept so much, but by the time you opened your eyes, you saw the sun shining through the window and it jarred you out of your sleep because you realize you have slept too long and now you're late. That is what the light of Christ ought to do to darkness. That is what the light of Christ ought to do to those who are spiritually asleep. Uh, No matter how much we try to justify it, no matter how much we try to soften it, no matter how much we try to uh, placate sin, the light of Christ should eventually jar us out of that comfort zone to be able to say, this is not where uh, I should be. This is not how I should live. And Paul is saying, this is what the light of light does. It wakens you, it jars you, it rouses you, it wakes you up out of." of that comfort, of that indolence of sin. So wake, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will give you life. Amen. I like the way um, Oswald Chambers is quoted in our book. And he says this, when God sends his inspiration, it comes to us with such miraculous power that we are able to arise from the dead and do the impossible. The remarkable thing about spiritual initiative is that the life and power comes after we get up and get going. God does not give us overcoming life, he gives us life as we overcome. And and that's a beautiful thing to understand because think about it again, when you wake up late, the light jars you up, but then once you are up, you have the energy and the motivation to get going because now you realize you are awake and have something to do, somewhere to be, somewhere to go, because the light jars you up enough to remind you that you have to be something somewhere. And, And that's what the light of Christ does. The light of Christ should wake us up enough to realize that we should no longer be asleep in our sin, but we should go on to righteousness. Amen. And that's why now that we're awake, right? Now that we are out of our sleep, now that we are up and ready to go, Paul gives us our next message, which in verse 15, it says, so be careful, How you live. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. If you're in the King James or in the New King James, you might read it. Uh, So walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. But essentially, what uh, uh, Paul is saying here, using the word circumspectly, it means be careful. It means uh, to walk uh, deliberately, directly, clearly, right? Accurately, diligently. Listen, I have um, three small children. They've got a lot of toys that don't always stay where they ought to be. And I have a little dog that has toys and sometimes has some accidents in places where uh, they ought not be. So when I wake up in the morning and it's still dark, I've got to tread lightly because I don't know what hot wheel I'm going to step on. I don't know what Tonka truck I'm going to kick. I don't know what stuffed animal I'm going to roll my ankle on. I don't know what accident that the dog might've had. So I am navigating a minefield in the morning when it's dark. And so I might shine my cell phone lighter or I might turn on a light because I need to see where I'm going and walk carefully to be sure I don't Uh, uh, injure myself. And that is what the walk of Christ should be. The walk of Christ needs to be very careful to be aware of the dangers of sin that are around us. And so we've got to be looking out, not just for the dangers around us, but we've got to look out for the people that are looking at us because you never know who's watching. You never know who's paying attention. Uh, You may have heard it said, that your life may be the only Bible that someone ever reads. They may not ever crack open a physical Bible, but your testimony, your walk, your lifestyle may be the only Bible they ever read. The only invitation to church that they ever see is how you live your life. So we have got to walk carefully. We've got to be very uh, uh, deliberate deliberate. Excuse me, in how we carry ourselves, not just so that we can be aware of the minefield of sin that is around us, but of the eyes that are watching us, whether it's our children, whether it's our friends, whether it's our our church members, or whatever the case may be, you never know who's watching, and we've got to walk in a way so as to be careful of the dangers around and the eyes that are watching. Amen? Walk circumspectly. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Live like those who have sense. (laughs) Live like those who care about how they carry themselves. Don't be foolish. Don't be careless. Don't be unwise, right? And that takes a great deal of uh, uh, being intentional about how you live. And then he goes on to say in verse 16, uh, making the most of every opportunity in these evil days. If you're reading from the King James Version or the New King James Version, it may say, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. And, and, uh, and captured in this is the idea of time. Uh, now, there are two Greek words for time. Uh, the one is chronos and the other is kairos. One is chronos and the other is kairos. And so I want to contrast these two for you uh chronos is the measurement of time it's where we get the the word uh chronological or chronology it is uh measuring uh time in terms of seconds minutes hours days etc uh years it's how we uh and we're limited uh by living on this earth we're limited by these measures of time, right? And, and think about it. We, a lot of times, make decisions based on the measurement of time. Uh, I don't have to do that now. I've got plenty of time. Or I can't do that. I don't have enough time. Or it's too late for me to do that. I've wasted time, right? And so time, uh, a lot of time, the measurement of time drives our decision. But But Paul, is not using uh chronos as that time he's speaking of he's using the word kairos and kairos means Opportunity. It means occasion, right? Uh, and so when he's talking about redeeming the time, redeeming is uh, exagerazo. It means to buy up. It means to ransom. It means to rescue from loss. It means to improve the opportunity to make wise and sacred use of every opportunity for doing good. Uh, let me remind you of this, friends, that God does not live in time like we do. He lives outside of time and space. We live inside of time and space, and therefore we tend to make decisions based on the measurements of time. But God lives outside of time and space and therefore are not limited by it. And so what he is expecting us to do is to uh, use, uh, not determine what we do with the time, that. uh, excuse me, not determine, make our decisions based on the measurements of time, but make sure that we maximize the opportunity of the time that we have, right? Uh, It's amazing. I don't know if you've ever uh, taken a look at what you're able to do with certain amount of time, right? You you might have nothing going on in the house. Oh, I'm just so tired. I don't feel like cleaning this house. Uh, uh, I'll do it later, or it's just going to take so long for me to clean this house until company comes over and you don't realize how fast you can clean a house when you know somebody's coming over. And so the idea of Kairos is to maximize the time that you have making the best use of opportunity. And so the idea of Kairos is uh, not really about the convenience of the time, because that's how we tend to make our decisions is uh, how much time is convenient. Do we have enough time? Do we have more time? Do we have less time? Or whether it is convenient for me to do this. No, what Kairos emphasizes is the necessity of the opportunity. How important is it for me to do this thing regardless of what time it is? regardless of what is going on right now. No matter how early it is, no matter how late it is, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, Kairos emphasizes the necessity of the task regardless of the time. And so what Paul is saying is when we walk carefully in this life, we are make, We must make the best use of the time that we have because the days are evil. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. We don't know what evil uh, uh, awaits us from one day to the next. Who knew that there uh, was going to be an outbreak of war uh, in Israel uh, when it did. It just popped up on our newsfeed. And then all of a sudden, we're, we we feel like it came out of the blue, right? But but what we have to do is before things come out of the blue, before things catch us off guard, we must maximize the time that we have to do good. Um, buying up those moments which others seem to throw away. Improve every moment that we have in order To make it good. So, whenever you have an opportunity to do good, whenever you have an opportunity to do right, whenever you have an opportunity to evangelize, it's not whether it's a convenient time, it's whether it is a necessary time. And that is what Paul is emphasizing here when we're talking about walking as wise and not as fools. A wise walker focuses on the necessity of opportunity to do good for righteousness sake. Amen. And then in verse 17, he says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do, right? Don't be careless. Don't be a frivolous with your walk, frivolous with your time. When you understand what the Lord wants you to do, when you understand what the Lord's will is, you will do it and you will not miss an opportunity to do it. So don't be careless with your walk, careless with your life, but understand what the Lord wants you to do and then do it. Understand where the Lord wants you to go and then go there. And then he moves on to what our uh, key text is tonight which is uh verse 18 don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life instead be filled with the holy spirit instead be filled with the holy spirit and king james or the new king james says uh do not uh be drunk with wine wherein is ex- excess or do not be drunk with wine which leads to debauchery right um but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so Paul is actually contrasting two forms of excess. You can either have too much uh, uh, wine or uh, plenty of the Holy Spirit, right? So he's contrasting two in fillings. You can either be uh, uh, filled too much with wine and be drunk or you can be filled up to overflow with the Holy Spirit. And he's comparing and contrasting the two and telling us to lean toward the Holy Spirit. But first, let me tell you what uh, Chuck Swindoll has to say. And I like what he says here. He says, Paul begins with an imperative, a strong command. Literally, the Greek terms convey the thought of continuing to take heed how accurately, how exactly you conduct yourself. Here's the idea. Keep on taking heed how accurately you are conducting your life. He is pleading for some honest self-analysis. Painful, but needed. In other words, when we're in the light of Christ, when we're walking in the light of Christ, when we're walking in this life, sometimes we've got to look at ourselves in the mirror. Sometimes we've got to take some self-inventory. Sometimes we've got to take some self-analysis and to, to be sure that we are indeed walking in the light of Christ, right? Uh, and, and, and if we're not praying that, that 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 whatever darkness is in us is exposed so that we would uh, uh, repent of that and continue to walk in the path of righteousness. So we have got to walk carefully. We have got to walk deliberately. And what does that mean? That means that just because we uh, uh, got saved at an altar call a long time ago or or were baptized in water a long time ago doesn't mean that we uh, can live aimlessly anymore. We've got to continue to walk intentionally uh, in this walk with Christ. Amen. And so uh, in doing that, what that means is we've got to change our excess. And so let me remind you, praise the Lord, Sister Christy Morris, our our good friend from Ligon Chapel. Thank you for tuning in tonight. Uh, We've gotta remember that the audience here, again, are majority Gentiles, majority Greeks. And then we remember, we've said many times that the culture here was of, of excess, of selflessness. They were occultish, right? They were uh, paganistic. And so we've got to remember that Paul, we may think, well, why didn't just Paul say be filled with the Holy Spirit? Why do you have to bring wine into the picture? Why do you have to bring drunkenness into the picture? Because he's speaking to an audience whose culture was about excess, was about doing too much of everything, too much of sexual sin, too much of, 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 of uh, uh excess, excess of wine and other things right? that were outside of the will of God. And so using drunkenness as an example, he's saying, stop doing that in excess because it's leading to your ruin. And so let's take a look at the the contrast that Paul is taking here when we talk about uh, the difference between being drunk with wine and being filled with the Holy Spirit. First of all, being drunk with wine is excessive it's reckless and destructive right uh and 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 here's what happens when we read the uh, when we read the translation of the word uh, in excess or debauchery, it, it it leads to all types of excessive behavior. It leads to reckless behavior. It leads to destructive behavior. Why? Because when you become drunk, you uh, become void of your senses. You lose control of your senses, uh, uh, and and therefore you become uh, outside of. Of yourself, right? Uh, a lot of people feel like, oh, I'm, I'm just having a little fun. And when you do too much, sometimes you may say things you ought not say, do things that you ought not do. You can eventually, uh, you could get into accidents, etc. There is a reason why there are laws uh, uh, against when a person should begin drinking. There are laws about how much a person should drink before they get behind the wheel, because the impact of too much wine dulls the senses in a way to where it controls us instead of we controlling ourselves, but it leads to debauchery. It leads to a a reckless behavior and reckless outcomes. And so what Paul says, don't be drunk with wine in that way, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does the exact same thing that wine does, but it creates better results when we when 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 one uh, uh overindulges in wine they may do it to uh experience a temporary euphoria uh or a temporary dulling of the senses because it might or they like how it feels. However, when they come out of that, they actually feel worse. Uh, uh, but what the Holy Spirit does, it gives us a sustained feeling of engagement with God, which produces instead of recklessness, it produces spiritual fruit. Instead of selfish behavior, it results in selfless outreach to others. The Holy Spirit: to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be made full, to cause to abound, to be filled with the brim and to be permeated and influenced and controlled by the Holy Spirit. So instead of being controlled by something that leads to our destruction, we're being controlled by someone that leads to our uh, uh, benefit. So instead of being filled with wine and all that comes with it, we ought to be filled with the Holy Spirit and all that comes with that. And um, I like the, the history that our book gives on this because it may seem unusual that Paul would compare the idea of drunkenness with the idea of the Holy Spirit and saying that you know we should be filled with the Holy Spirit the same uh, as an alternative to being drunk of the wine. But it, it just makes sense because in this day, remember he's talking to a specific audience, the people involved, praise the Lord, Sister Fair Smith, good to see you on tuning in with us. Uh, people involved in the occult, particularly uh, uh worshipped a god called Dionysus also known as Bacchus and he was a god of wine and drunken orgies uh and they believed that being drunk was a way to be inspired it was only when they were drunk that they theorize that they could sense Dionysus' will for them and thus obey him. And so it is very possible that Paul is talking to an audience who is coming out of that culture and, and trying to let them know that the alternative to what you're doing will give you a better result when you're filled with the Holy Spirit instead of being filled with wine. So for those of you who are previously engaged in this type of lifestyle before your conversion to Christ, uh, your alternative is to be spiritually full of the Holy Spirit rather than uh, physically and temporally Filled with wine that only leads to destruction. Paul was telling them that true inspiration comes through being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that way, you know what the will of God is uh, and that will lead to spiritual fruit. And listen, we we do this today. Uh, there's an idea of using alcohol as liquid courage, right? We wouldn't otherwise be uh, uh, so freewheeling in a social environment, but if it, uh, some people feel like if you have a drink, you feel a little better, you're a little loosey-goosey, you're you're, you're okay, right? Uh, 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 others, may it may not be wine, it may be marijuana, it may be other uh, recreational drugs that make them feel like if I take this, I'll be uh, uh, elevated to some euphoric level. There are other People who use that as a form of enlightenment. And what Paul is saying here is uh, these things will not give you enlightenment. They will give you some sort of temporary high that will lead to both your physical and your spiritual destruction. But we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. And being filled with the Holy Spirit gives us a sustained relationship with God. And so, another thing that we ought to understand is that the um, the Greek word for be filled is in the present par- passive imperative tense. And so not only is it a command, but it is a continuing command. In other words, it doesn't say be filled. It says be being filled constantly be filled, continue to be filled. In other words, our relationship with God must be an active pursuit of being filled with the Holy Spirit. The same way we've got to keep our car full of gas in order for it to keep going, we need to keep our spiritual tank full of the Holy Spirit so that we would continue to walk in righteousness and true holiness. And what is the result of of that what is the result of that and and how does that look well he says in verse 19 singing psalms hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your heart and so a couple of things i notice um first of all remember in ephesians chapter 4 he tells us Uh, not to allow corrupt communication to come out of our mouth. And then earlier in chapter five, he tells us of all of the things, uh, no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of God. And he tells us that obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these things are not for you and are not like you. In other words, uh, throughout Ephesians, Paul talks about the things that we ought not say that are forms of darkness. But now he tells us what should be the result, the fruit of our lips when we are filled with the holy spirit and he says speaking to each other with psalms hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your hearts and that is uh could be in the king james or the new king james version the new living translation says singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the lord in your hearts and then verse 20 says and give thanks for everything to god the father in the name of our lord jesus christ what i see happening here is a outward, inward, and upward communication uh, as a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, speak singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. In other words, think about when we come together for worship and we sing among ourselves as a, a uh, uh tunes of uh uh inspiration and, and tunes of fellowship right a, a, a psalm is a testimony of what god has done a hymn is a declaration of who god is and spiritual songs are a uh, uh inspired uh, song that comes from the holy spirit within us and he says sing that among yourselves that's outward in other words we should encourage each other other with singing songs uh, uh, about God and for God, but then he says making music to the Lord in your heart. That's upward, right? Uh, it, uh, or that's that's inward singing songs to the Lord in your heart. In other words, those things that uh, 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 the, the the Bible says that the abundance of the, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, and so what happens is when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're able to, uh, with the outflow of our lips, sing what is in our heart. And so when we fellowship with one another, we are speaking outwardly. When we worship God from our heart, we're speaking inwardly and then give thanks for everything to God the Father, we're speaking outwardly. In other words, the Holy Spirit is in us and around us and therefore should impact everything in us and around us and above us. Amen. And so the outcome of being filled with the Holy Spirit is a dialogue with one another, a dialogue within ourselves, and a dialogue to the Father that results in the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is in us. And so that is what happens, saints when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. When we're filled with darkness, when we're filled with other things that are not like God, it results in coarse language and, uh, and, and uh, uh, evil and dark behavior. But when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it results in praise to and about God among ourselves. And that is what happens when we awake from darkness, when we awake from our sleep because of the light of Christ. Amen. And then in verse 21, and we're going to pick it it up, but he really leads right into this, uh, because what happens is as a continuation for how we should operate. Uh, as a church and as individuals under the influence of the Holy Spirit is how we submit to one another. And that's what we're going to dig into uh, next week in verse 21. But let's take a look at our PowerPoints for uh, this evening. PowerPoint number one is Awakening to Light and Wisdom. Ephesians 5, 14 through 15 calls for believers to wake from their spiritual slumber and live as children uh, of light. They are instructed to be wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. PowerPoint number two is understanding God's will and living filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5, 16 through 18, believers are urged to understand that what the will of God is. They should not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. This represents a call to live a life of self-control and spiritual fulfillment. And finally, gratitude and worship in community. Uh, Verses 19 through 20 encourages singing and making music from our heart to the Lord, expressing spiritual joy. It instructs believers to always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of Jesus Christ. This reflects the importance of community, worship, and gratitude in the Christian life. Amen. This is what a spirit-filled life looks like. This is what a life where God's light shines through us looks like. This is what a life of intentional walking looks like. Thank you for joining us today on PowerPoint Tuesday with Pastor Jeremiah. Remember the word of God is a light unto your path. Until next time, stay blessed, stay inspired, and let God's wisdom guide you. This is Pastor Jeremiah saying, I love you, God loves you, keep yourselves in the love of God.